On a personal note, I am just, as a mom, I have two kids that, ooh, I'm dropping everything already. I have two kids that are in forum with Pastor Stephen Alley, and like, I could cry standing here just talking about how grateful I am to them that they are obeying the Lord and, and uh, have answered their call to be here, and they're going to help me to raise my kids. It's really awesome. Give them a round of applause. Um, so first of all, I just want to say this is so humbling for me. Um, I don't take it lightly at all. I, when my dad asked me to speak, I just, you know, it's really, really important to me that I would not just deliver to you my thoughts, my opinions, what how I see the world, but give you something that, you know, that I believe that God is wanting to say. And um, I, I just want to open with a word of prayer and ask, pray for me as I pray. Um, God, I thank you so much for your house, Lord, and I just honor and respect that this space is where you have authority, and I pray, God, that you would have authority in me today as I speak, as I deliver words that, I, that come from your heart, Lord, and I pray, God, that the message would, be, would land, and where I fall short, God, I know that the Holy Spirit is translating your truths. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first of all, I just want to tell you, probably some of you don't know who I am. My name is Christy Morais, um, but before I was Christy Morais, I was Christy McCutcheon, and my dad is Pastor Phil. Um, he and my mom have been pastoring this church since I was three years old, I think, right, Mom? And now I'm 36, so I've been here for a long time, and I, I met my husband in this church when I was a little kid, and we fell in love in high school at the school that's here, and I think uh, we fell in love about 20 years ago. We still like each other, right? I think it's still going pretty good. Um, but by the grace of God and the prayers of our parents, um, it's working out. And I want to show you, this is my family. Um, um, we have three kids. We have three dogs as well, believe it or not. Um, but they're not in this picture. But Brayden is 13, Aaliyah is 11, and Eden is our seven-year-old. And he, he's the comedian of the family. And I was talking to him last week about, you know, did you know I'm going to be preaching? And we were, I was telling him a little bit. Of, he, he said, well, what are you going to talk about? I told him a little bit about it, and he said, okay, Mom, just one thing. Please don't try to make any jokes like pop. <laughs> he, said, you're, he said, you're only going to get sympathy laughs. <laughs> so, so I won't, I promise. I'm, I, you know, I, I want to tell you, if you have people in your family that love you and they tease you, don't get mad about it. It's a gift that people who love you would tease you because that's the way you know you're not funny. Don't try to be funny. They're just helping you out. All right, well, let's get into it. Um, so... Today we're going to talk about um, something that I think, when you first hear what I'm, what I'm bringing up, you know, you may take it one way, but just stay with me. Um, we're going to talk about fear. And, you know, the first thing you always do when you have a sermon is you're going to give a definition of what a word is. So we're doing that today. Um, fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. It's a feeling of, number two definition, a feeling of anxiety concerning the outcome of something, the safety and well-being of someone. Um, so what does that tell us? In order to be afraid, we have to believe that a certain outcome or a certain experience is a threat to our safety or our well-being, right? So there's all different kinds of fear, and in the word fear just can mean a lot of different things to all of us. In different, there's, there's instinctual fear. You know, you have 
little, little kids, they, they, they develop something called proprioception, which is your um, instinct to not fall off a ledge. Because deep inside of you, God has given you that instinct that you don't want to fall off of ledges. Um, you, you're, you know, we're instinctually afraid of the dark. We're instinctually afraid of being alone. Um, there, there's, you know, a scary growling dog or monster, just something in you, you know, that's scary. I don't want that, right? But then there's also things that are experiential. Something has happened to you that caused you to have that fear. You, you were bitten by a, do- a dog, even a cute dog, so now every puppy is scary to you. You, you were abused by a man, Men are scary to you. Whatever it is, we, we develop those things over time. And then well, we were having a fun conversation in the worship team before. Um, I said, guys, what are some irrational phobias? And they just started pulling stuff up o- online. And some of them, well, you guys can help me out. Some of them were like the fear of appliances, uh, like kitchen appliances. And I apologize. If any of you have these, we're not judging you, but God can set you free today. Don't worry. Um, the, the fear of peanut butter. Be of choking on peanut butter. Um, there, what were some of the other ones? It were just, just things that I never could have dreamed of that are just irrational. They're just fears that don't make any sense. Um, and, you know, as I started to think about this idea of fear, and a lot of this came up because of the last couple of years that we've had as a nation and as a world, that there's a lot of fear, Um, a lot of real fear of things that are actually scary and threaten our way of life and our society and have changed our way of life. But there's also a lot of fear-mongering, a lot of people monetizing your fear and taking advantage of being able to make people afraid, right? How many, are you guys experiencing that? Okay, so we have to talk to God about it because that, that's, if something's going on in our world, we have to say, God, what, what is the right response here? How is this supposed to impact me? Um, so I started to read about um, just what, a, what is the fear system? What's happening in my body when I'm afraid? And I started to learn about something called, um, that it's, it's a theory, it's called the Survival Optimization System, the SOS, and some people, maybe you, you're aware of it, and it's basically a, um, a, a description of what's happening inside of your body, how different areas of your brain are triggered when you experience what you think may be a potential threat. Um, it's a, it's, I'll read you what it says, a theory that accounts for the strategies that humans and other animals use to defend against recurring and novel or new threats. Um, So God actually has given you, built into your body, your mind, your spirit, all connected fear. It was, it's by design in this fallen world that we have fear, right? Um, And he designed our nervous system to create these physiological responses to fearful stimuli. Um, It's really, honestly, it's a survival tool, and it's a tool for survival optimization. You need fear to have the best possible life. Do you guys understand that? Um, And what is a healthy fear, fear of things that actually are a threat, is really a great help and a great tool. It helps you to avoid bad outcomes. It helps you to pursue and create good outcomes, right? Um, If you're out in camping, you need to have some knowledge and awareness of what can hurt you and your family, right? Especially if you're someone that you really go out into like Yosemite, you get out there, 
you need some information about scary things. You need to know what are, what are signs that there might be a bear. What are signs that we might have, a, 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 what's a berry that we can't eat and what's one that we can't? What are temperature things we need to pay attention to so we don't freeze to death, right? Um, so, you know, that I'm, I am not a psychologist. I'm not a scientist. I'm really not going to try to get into your nervous system and your amygdala and all of those things. I promise. You don't want me doing that. Um, and, you know, the, the science behind the survival optimization system. But what I want to talk about today is what are you afraid of? In your life, in your home, what are you afraid of? What are the outcomes what are the experiences that you are actively pursuing? What are the outcomes and the experiences that you are actively avoiding or attempting to prevent? And some of you may not even know what you're afraid of, what things you are trying to create and what things you're trying to avoid. But I want to tell you that there's a way that we can find out what that is and if it's the right thing or not. Um, so, you know, what, what are the things that you're afraid of happening to you, to your family, to your career, your reputation? What are, what are things that you are trying to avoid that you don't want to happen? What, there are things, some of us, that we would think, if I don't get a promotion, if my child doesn't get into that school, if I don't lose the weight, if I, if I stay this weight, if I don't get married, what are those things? Um, and w w I want us to dive into, let the Holy Spirit help us today to discover um, what fears are driving those decisions that you make, your priorities, your actions, and what outcomes are actually truly scary. Based on what you know to be true in God's Word, what are the outcomes in your life? At the, if you end up at the end of your life on your deathbed, what are the things that ha have happened that should and do actually scare you? Because um, they may not, what you would answer to that question, it may not really line up with what people would see when they look at your actions in your life, right? <clears throat> um, so the decisions that we make for ourselves and our families reveal what we truly fear. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 9, 10, and 11, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For though... For through wisdom, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. That's so good. Read that a hundred times this week. So I, as I read a little bit more about the survival optimization system, that was um, that theory and that paper and that research was done by a group of people that, from what I can tell, are atheists. They talk a lot about how it has evolved. But I want to tell you, that theory and a lot of what I read about in that theory and what Scripture says they agree about one thing, and they align when they say that the survival optimization system, fear, leads to life optimization. What did the Bible say? It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Through the wisdom, your days will be many, your, and years will be added to your life. By fearing the correct thing, your life's going to be optimized. Your survival will be optimized, right? Um. So in Deuteronomy, it says, these are the commands, the decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, 
so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may enjoy a long life. Teach your kids to fear God, and their life will be optimized. Teach them to fear the right things, and their life will be optimized. Amen? So healthy fear of the right thing is the key to optimizing your survival in all situations. Um, so when scripture talks about fearing the Lord, I know that, that word fear, and we, we could get in a whole other sermon about the word trigger nowadays and what things trigger you, but fear could be a word that is triggering to you in a certain way. And we're not talking about dread of God. And, and you see a lot of that in the Old Testament. When you read in the Old Testament, there is a fear and trembling in a different way that when, I don't know how much you know about scripture, but we know that when Christ died on, on the cross, what, what happened? Papa, what happened when Christ died on the cross? What happened in the temple? The veil was torn. And this is the key here, that because of Christ paying the price for us, we are covered by the blood of Jesus, and when we, we have access to the presence of God in a different way. But God is the same. But God is the same. He is. He's the same God. He is just as, in, in the biblical sense, terrible and powerful and all-knowing. And he could wipe us all out. Amen? Um, so, but we're not talking about fear in that sense. And I, I want to give you... Um, uh, another word, if it helps you it, when you're hearing this, is we're talking about a posture of ultimate reverence towards God. And he's the one true God. We're talking about acknowledging God's true identity, who he really is. He is not self-help. He is not here to rub your back. He is not here to tell you everything's going to be okay, you can do whatever you want, don't feel bad about yourself. That's not what he, that he is the almighty, creator of all things, source of all things. But in some unfathomable way we could never understand, he said, I choose them. I love them. I will die for them. And so as as his kids who can never fathom that, it seems like a juxtaposition for, for us, that the almighty, the all-powerful would choose these weak, lowly, sinful creatures, die for us, give us eternal life. Our role and responsibility is to acknowledge who he really is and set our posture before him as reverence. Um, so, you know, we, we have a responsibility when we look to him to have that response of fear and awe. Um, scripture repeatedly connects fearing God to the pathway to well-being. And that is, you know, you, you again, in our current society, you hear the word fear, you don't think well-being. <laughs> so we have to look to scripture to say, what is the reality of my well-being. How do I actually, because God is the one who created me, so he's, the, the scripture is where I should look to find out how I can be well. Um, and this, I'm going to read from Deuteronomy, and this is, if you want to really kind of dive into this idea of what it is to be afraid of God and, and acknowledging his 
power and his might. Go and just read some, some of Deuteronomy and you're going to find out because he was coming to them in a way that we can't even imagine and, and Moses was interacting with him. And this is um, uh, the children of Israel in, in Deuteronomy we're going to hear about. So when you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me and you said, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty. We have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. They thought, you know, for their experience, you're going to be dead because he's so powerful. If you interact with God, you will be dead. That's what they had, had experienced. Um, but now, why should we die? This great fire will consume us, and we will die if we hear the voice of our Lord God any longer. That's amazing. For what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we have and survived? Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. This is the children of Israel talking to Moses. We will listen and obey. The Lord heard you when you spoke to me, and the Lord said to me, I have heard what this people said to me, to you. Everything they said was good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me. Keep all my commands always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Go tell them, return to their tents, but you stay here with me so that I may give you all the commands, decrees, and laws you are to teach them to follow in the land I'm giving them to possess. So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you possess. God is not inter interested in us being afraid of him because he's on an ego trip. We are afraid of God because he's all-powerful and we are weak. It's, it's, this is not about him wanting it to make him feel that way. He is that way. <laughs> the, the, a human without Christ, without a payment for our sin, a human being encountering the perfection of God, literally our bodies can't even barely handle it. And, and I don't know if you've ever really just, just been in the presence of God in a certain way where you're praying and you're spending a lot of time in, my, in his presence, you're in a worship service, and sometimes I feel this way. I get to a point that I can feel that my human body can't take it. I, I'm not... In this flesh that I'm in, this weak flesh, I, his presence, I can't... What, what fellowship does darkness have with light? None. I, I, don't know, I don't know if that's making sense to you, but it, it's not about him wanting you to feel bad. It's about us acknowledging the reality as a human being, born in sin, saved by grace, communicating with a God of perfection a God of all power, but a God of all mercy and love, that it's safe to take a posture of reverence and fear with him, right? Um, so I want to talk about what, a little bit about what does a healthy fear of God, a reverence, you call it reverence, it's fine. What, how does that look in our lives? What, do, what does it manifest? Um, and the first thing that I see is that, and I see this in Scripture, I see this with the children of Israel. 
I see it, you, you see these words repeated throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. A healthy fear of God manifests in your life and my life as awe and wonder. Um, if you're in awe of something, what do you do physically? So what's a, the most basic thing that you do? You look at it. You put your eyes on it. If you, if you see something amazing, you just you look at it. Maybe your arms go up. Maybe your jaw drops. Maybe you smile. Who knows? But you look at it. You pay attention to it. Um, and I, I remember when my children were little, they, you know, I have, I have three kids, and I had two that were, that were fairly young at the same time, and I had a baby. And I remember going into stores with them. And my rule with them did not always work, but I, what I would remind them always is... Your job is to look at me. If you can't see me, I can't keep you safe. I have three of you. I'm shopping. I'm leading the way. My job is what I'm doing. Your job is to look at me. Follow me. Have your eyes on me. My presence in this store is your lifeline, right? And I want to tell you something today. It sounds like the most basic thing, but if you are not looking at God, he cannot keep you safe. He gave us free will in this world, and if you do not set your eyes on him, if you don't set your heart in his direction, there's nothing he can do. And, and I don't mean, you know, of course, I, God can do miracles. He can send an angel to prevent the car from hitting you. He can do whatever he wants. But your soul, your eternal destination, if you do not look to him, there is nothing he can do. Um, <clears throat> healthy fear of God, it manifests, oh, this is such a good one, and, and so counterintuitive to what you would hear. A healthy fear of God manifests as peace. Fear of God, reverence of God means trusting, acknowledging that he is all-powerful. He holds the world in his hands. He thought of the world. He thought of your, just, just think about your eyeball and the, how complicated it is that these pictures come in. I think they some turn it upside down or something. <laughs> I, I'm not a science person. But it's crazy, and, and get into your brain, and it all translates to make sense. The God who just, that idea, he thought of a scent, that we would experience the world in five senses. What? Uh, it, it just, just think about anything you want to dive into, and it just blows your mind, that he has it all under control. When we truly trust that he has it under control, we don't have to worry right? When you, when you have a fear of him, if you have a great dad, if you were, were privileged, one of the few privileged people on this planet, that you had a wonderful father who loved you but also did not spare discipline the way that the Bible teaches, how many of you were afraid of your dad? If you had a great dad that you, he loved you but you were like a little scared, But how many of you also, that there is no one on the planet that could make you feel more at peace than that dad? More safe. And, and I hope that you dads, that is your goal. That if you have children, they should be afraid of you. 
in a, in, a, in a healthy, positive sense. Not that you will abuse them, but they should have a, a fear of displeasing you. But they should also feel no one in the world that they are going to call before they're going to call you to say, Daddy, help me solve this. Daddy, my car, this. Daddy, my... And know that there is a peace that comes from the one who can solve it all. Um, you know, we, we have a, um, I'm switching this, Shane, in the moment. I'm going to talk about Ruffy now. We, we, have, um, we have three dogs, like I said, and we have our, our oldest dog is Ruffy. He's going to put up a picture of him, but I'm switching his notes. There he is. That's Ruffy. And he's wonderful. He's a four-year-old Australian Labradoodle. He's such a great dog. He's, um, he's got this one thing, though, that we have a pool, and he loves our kids. He loves our family. And when we get out into the pool area and the kids even so much as get on the diving board, he becomes in a panic. It, he thinks everybody's going to drown. And left to his own devices, he will run around that pool and around that pool. This has happened to the point of ripping his paws to bleed. He will, if, if there's a child, we have a slide, if there's a child going down the slide, he will run and use his, the only thing he has, his mouth to try to stop them from getting in the pool. And it is the, it's pathetic and annoying. <laughs> and he just, you know, I'm not in his little mind, but I think he believes my kids are drowning. And, you know, I, I, we brought, have brought in a dog trainer to, just to help in general. When you have three dogs, you should probably get a professional to help you. And he, she's come, and she's kind of taught me some strategies to help him to not behave that way. And the thing that she told me that's so interesting is she said, the key to this stopping is him acknowledging your authority and having complete trust that you have it under control. And so what she's showed me to do is get him on a leash, get him in a certain spot in the yard, and demand that he look to me and not to the kids. And this is, please just take the, this is a silly little example of my dog, please. Some of you in this room, this needs to penetrate into your heart. There are some of you in this room that there's something going on in this world, something going on with your kids, something in your job, in politics, that you are in a complete panic about. You are pacing around that pool. You are bloodying your paws. You are panting. You are overheating. You are losing your mind. And you know what? You possess zero skill to solve the problem. You don't even understand the problem. In some cases, there is no problem. My kids being in the pool is great. It's wonderful. But my little sweet Ruffy is so limited in his understanding that all he needs to do in that moment is look at me. Am I at peace? Am I instructing him to do anything? Thank God we have a, a perfect God. I am not a perfect dog owner. I probably caused this somehow in the first place. <laughs> but we have a God who is there saying, stop running around the pool. 
look at me. Sit down. I'm going to tell you what to do. Maybe I could teach you something to help. Maybe if Ruffy would relax, I could teach him how to swim. I don't know. And he could enjoy it. How many of us in, in our lives with our children, we are just in a panic, just losing our minds, and God is saying, that is not what I'm worried about. You need to look at me. You need to trust my authority, and I will give you peace. So the healthy fear of God, it manifests as obedience. When you fear the Lord, you trust that his instructions, well, I would say when you fear the Lord, you trust that he will follow through on his word and that the punishments that he spoke about in the Bible are true and real. And don't look, the Bible teaches us that sin separates us from the presence of God eternally. It says it in the Bible. I didn't make that up. I did, that's not from me. I would never have said that. But it says it in the Bible. And we have to trust that what God says is true and that if we fear him, we will obey his commands. It says it over and over and over again in Scripture. Um, you know, and, and here's the thing. We've all seen, you've all been in the store and you've seen that kid in the store that is just throwing a tantrum. And maybe it's been your kid, I don't know throwing a tantrum, screaming at their parents. They're not, and the parents are saying, when we get home, you're not getting that thing. I was going to buy you that thing, and you're not getting it. And the kid is just throwing themselves on the floor, and they're battling through the store. We run a store, the Blessing Barn, and Nana has seen this too many times, that the kids are just throwing a fit, just every behaving in every horrible way, and there's a lot of threats coming from mom or dad. You're going to get this and that, and you're not doing this or that. How many times have I seen that kid who never really change their behavior, get to the register, and what happens? They buy them whatever they want. They buy the toy. They buy the candy. I want to tell you that that kid has no fear of their parent. They don't have, why would they obey? There is no fear. If that child feared that this consequence will be followed through on, that this reality will be my life, that the, the not getting the toy is an unacceptable outcome for me? Not getting the candy, this is unacceptable? What would they do? They, they, maybe not perfectly, but they would attempt to employ whatever self-control they have because they want that thing or they don't want to get whatever the punishment would be. You know, we all wish that kid was a little afraid, right? <laughs> um, so what else? Healthy fear of God manifests as kingdom priorities. If you have a fear of God, you want to set your business about your father's business. If you have a reverence of God. You know, and, and this is something that, that worries me in 2020. It worries me about my own life, and I, maybe I, sh I you know, I'm not supposed to be worried, I know that, but it's something that we need to look at and allow the Holy Spirit to search in our lives is if you look at my schedule, if you look at your schedule, if you look at how you're spending your money, what you're talking to your kids about, would someone say that you have a reverence for God and that you have kingdom priorities? What are you investing in? What does your home look like? What is the conversation like? And, you know, 
you, if, if somebody just came and they just looked at your life, they just looked at your calendar, your, you know, now somebody is actually, I want to be honest, we, we, everybody has data about everything all of us do at all times, <laughs> and you know it by the ads that you get in your thing, you say something to your husband and then there's an ad there for that product. Um, it, would they, what, what outcomes would they say you're trying to avoid? What outcomes are you trying to create? What is the thing that you fear the most? Is it, what is, for, for you, what is it? Is it discomfort? So I want, I, the last thing I want to, this is an ode to my dad. I, as I started thinking about this part of my message, it was too easy to do this. And I, um, when I was a kid, I feel like he did this even more. But I had to alliterate these last points, which alliterate is, you know, every point starts with the same letter. Um, so when you revere something, what does that look like in your life? How does it impact your choices, your actions, and th this is what I came up with. What you revere, you pursue. What you fear in a positive, healthy sense, you pursue that outcome that is optimal. You pursue avoiding that outcome that is unacceptable. Um, in Psalms 63, it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. You know what this is talking about? A weary land where there is no water. Some of us have such an appetite for that no water that that is, we've developed a, a, a thirst for what the world has to offer us, and we're not thirsty for the water that God has to offer us because we're so comfortable. We're so comfortable with what is served up in the world that we're not hungry and thirsty for him. We don't feel that we're, we're in a dry land spiritually. We're so comfortable. Are we, are we pursuing him do we wake up in the morning and that our kids know that that is what we're in pursuit of, is the presence of God in our life, the word of the Lord for our family, his will for our money? Would anyone see that the outcome we're trying to avoid in our life is that we would be separated from God? My number one fear in life is that I wouldn't know God. My number one, my number one, and I'm saying this honestly, and I don't handle it perfectly all the time. I am by far, uh, far from a perfect parent, and this message for me is challenging me deeply to have this study. My number one fear in life, the thing that causes me to feel like I'm going to vomit, is the idea that my children would be separated from God. A am I pursuing and chasing the outcome that they would know him? Am I running after it? Or am I just kind of pursuing that everybody would be happy and peaceful and leave me alone after 9 p.m. because I'm tired? <laughs> what am I pursuing? Comfort? Ease? Fun? Accomplishments? 
what, it, what if somebody looked at what you talk to your kids mostly about, what would they say you are, your, your greatest fear for their lives is? Is it you're afraid they're not going to get into X, Y, and Z college? Are you afraid that they're not going to find the best spouse? Are you afraid that they're not going to be set up financially? Are you afraid they're not going to be popular? What are you pursuing for your kids? What are you modeling for your kids to pursue? Because I want to tell you something. The Bible is clear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. But hold on. That doesn't mean... Seek first the kingdom of God, and I promise you're going to be rich. Seek first the kingdom of God. I promise your husband's going to be an Adonis. It doesn't mean that. You know, it really doesn't. What it means is seek first the kingdom of God, and you will have all the kingdom things, which the kingdom of God is upside down sometimes. So that sometimes the things that of God that he gives you that bring you the most peace, they don't look the way the world wants them to look right? Number two, what you fear, revere, whatever you want to see that as, you prefer. I've seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. Psalm 63, 2 through 3. What you revere, you prefer. What do you prefer? Do you prefer things that are in the world, things that make you feel comfortable? What, what gets preference of your time in your life? In, in the summer, do we not see you if it's sunny because you're at the beach? And I'm not talking about a vacation. I'm not. I, I'm totally cool with taking vacations. We take vacations. But what is the story of your life? What, does you, what do your choices and decisions show that is an unacceptable outcome for you? What do you prefer? Who do you prefer? What you, what you revere, you will praise. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. Do your kids hear you talking about the goodness of God? Do your siblings, maybe you're an adult, do your siblings that aren't saved hear you talking about the goodness of God? Because, you know, it's, it's, or your coworkers, it's not easy to go and share with someone the gospel in the sense that I was, was very popular to teach people to go and share the gospel in a certain way and ask someone if they're ready to make a decision. That's challenging, and I can tell you from what I've seen, certain ways of doing that. It doesn't work well. But you know what works well and what is genuine is if you are just constantly sharing your own testimony of how good God is in your life and people can start to see that you are full of praise for your church, for the house of God. You're not constantly griping and complaining. You're not, it's, it's not a negativity that you are praising the king of kings, that you are not, if you are a constant complainer, you are not a worshiper. If you are constantly talking about how this and that's not working out, and anybody who sees you coming, how are you? Well, you know, this and this. 
You're not in a, in a mindset of praise. Who do you fear? You think your God, the King of Kings, he left you in the lurch? Maybe you're not paying attention because that is not who God says he is. What you revere, you will praise. You will speak highly of. You will talk about, the Bible talks about how you're going to write it on your doorpost. You're going to wear it on your forehead. You talk about it when you're coming. You talk about it when you're going. When you lay down, when you wake up. All right, and then this last one, number four. What you revere, you will please. Um, Who you revere, you will please. You will live to please. And now, you know, oh, what I, this is, this younger generation, it's Instagram, it's TikTok, it's, it's this, and, and, it, and it, we don't even realize it. It's like, it's like a, a gentle drift. It's like, oh, this is fine. And I'm, I'm, I'm on Instagram, I'm not against it, please relax. But what do you live to please? Is, is your home set up because you're going to take pictures of your home for Instagram? Are your are, are teenagers, are you spending 45 minutes to put your makeup on to take a picture, one picture? Or, or you take a 1,000 and you post one that you, it's all about whatever the angle you're going to get. I, we laugh, but, the, but those kids, they're, they're 10 to 25, whatever they are, that's... That's the church. That's the future of the church. Who do you live to please? You, your, your body, your mind, your decisions. You know, the, the, there's a lot of, we live in a very private society now. You can make a lot of decisions without a lot of input from other people. And, and you can do a lot of things that are just for you, and nobody has a right to tell you anything. And it puts a greater burden on you as a person before God to make a hard decision that you're going to live to please him. Because we're not in each other's homes the way we used to be. There's not somebody knocking on your door that's they're dropping their kid off to just eat dinner. Nana, how, how, did you have a lot of control over who was coming and going in your house every day? Was there people just in and out, opening the door? Hey, I'm here. So-and-so's here. They're having dinner. Am I right? Not a lot of privacy. Nowadays, it is not like that. And you have to make a hard decision between you and God that you live to please the Lord because the the world is not set up to tell you to do that. They're telling you to please you, but only in a certain way, by the way. You have to please yourself, but only like, there's only five ways you can do it. It says in Psalms, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So we're going to bring this to a close. And I, I, this is something that is so between you and the Holy Spirit. And every single one of us can take a moment and ask the Lord, I don't care how young you are, how old you are, ask the Holy Spirit to help reveal to you. Well, there you go. He's revealing. What, what, outcomes are unacceptable to me? What things am I going to avoid at all costs? I'll tell you, my relationship with my husband 
is the most important thing on in, in my earthly priorities, that's, that's my number one relationship as, as ordained by God, but also just because we really like each other. It is unacceptable to me that we would disconnect and be at odds. I, I will, we will both move heaven and earth to make sure that that doesn't happen. We're going to invest money. We would sell our house if something was happening that was ruining our marriage. We would do anything earthly, right? My, my children, it is unacceptable to me that my children would die of a preventable illness. It's not acceptable. I am going to arrange my time and my schedule to ensure that that doesn't happen. We're very blessed that our kids have been really healthy. But I, I sit here today with my good friends. They have a child who was born with certain diagnosis that it is a constant battle to make sure that she's healthy. And they will do anything. It doesn't matter. They'll go live in a hut. They'll go move anywhere in the world that they needed to move and do anything because it's an unacceptable outcome that anything would happen to her that they can prevent, right? And, but what are the things in your life that you've identified it's unacceptable? And I fear that a lot of them are not kingdom related. Is it unacceptable to you that you have not heard the voice of the Lord on major financial decisions? Is it unacceptable to you that you would be at odds with people in your church? Or is that okay? That you would have anger in your heart towards someone in your church? And, you know, I, trust me, I've been, there's, I've been in the church day one. People in the church are just as rude and annoying and offensive. And I have many, many, many times in my youth and in my adult life wanted to get out of here and not be here anymore. And I mean that. But you know what? At the end of the day, what, I'm, what I am scared of, I am scared of being separated from the kingdom of God. I really am. This place, physically in a sense, the house of God, globally speaking, this is the place where God has authority. This is, this is his house. And you know what this place is built on? What, what the Bible teaches us that the church is built on? Is it built on the backs of imperfect, immoral people, people trying their best, great, wonderful people? No, it is built on the rock of Jesus Christ, the foundation. And until we're in heaven, you're going to encounter all kinds of things with people in this place. But what is unacceptable to you? Is it unacceptable, the truth? Is it unacceptable for you to feel offended and irritated? Because most of us, that's the thing that we say, I cannot, this is the unacceptable outcome in my life. Dealing with people that I find distasteful. Dealing with people that I find offensive. That's my unacceptable outcome. And God is saying, uh-uh. Your unacceptable outcome that I've outlined in scripture is that you would be at odds with your brothers and sisters. That you would have unforgiveness in your heart. What is unacceptable to you? What do you fear? Are you afraid of not having enough money? Because the Bible says, Jesus said, with his, with his mouth on earth, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Take your fears before the King of Kings and ask him how to look at them. Are you afraid of getting burnt out, getting used up, serving too much? Scripture says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Are you afraid of being rejected and alone? 
Jesus was crucified by his own people. But where is Jesus today? He sits at the right hand of the Father, glorified, magnified. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of being rejected now by people? Or are you afraid of not sharing in that inheritance for eternity? The la- I almost made this sermon about parenting and about kids because this is so applicable to kids, but I didn't because I really wanted it to apply to everyone. And I, b- I trust and believe that the Holy Spirit will apply it where it needs to be applied in your life. What are you afraid of for your kids? Are you afraid they're not going to have enough education? Are you afraid they're not going to have the right career? Are you afraid that they won't feel good about themselves? Or do you believe what the Bible teaches us, that if they would learn to revere the King of Kings, if they would learn to seek first his kingdom, all the things will be added. He made your kid. He literally knit that child together in your womb or the womb of the birth mother. He, he created that child. What are you afraid of? The driving fear of your life day to day, raising that kid if it is, I fear that my child will be separated from the presence of God. I fear that my child will create a life that's outside of God's will. All these things will be added. Let's stand. I just want to pray for us. And I I really challenge you this week to spend some time in prayer. If you journal, whatever it is that you do, Spend some time in the Word and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what are your unacceptable outcomes, not by what you say you think is correct, but by how you really live your life. What are you actively pursuing? What are you actively preventing? What does it really look like? How does it manifest in your life? Across this room, let's bow our heads. God, we just stand before you humble. We're your kids, and just, you chose us by your grace and mercy to give yourself for us, to make a way for us to be a part of your family and your kingdom, to be co-heirs with Christ. God, I pray that we would set our minds, our hearts on things above. God, that we would stop getting so worked up about temporary, temporal things that we have made into idols politics, our physical health, our financial situation, our vacations, our homes, our kids' athletic achievements, our career achievements. God, we just repent today. If you need to repent today, you just tell them, I repent today. I've become an idol worshiper. I have, I have set my fear and my reverence on things here on earth, and I repent before you, God. You are the one that we fear. You're the, the only one it's safe to fear. If we fear anyone else, we'll be devoured. We just thank you, God, for that you are all powerful, but you're all loving and all merciful. And we trust you. We trust you. We, we can bow before you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you guys so much.